Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous January 1st day, 2022. Coming right up, it's the Book of Psalms, chapter 24 and 25. Don't you dare miss it. Special guest today, you know her, you love her. It's none other than Tammy Lynn with the hyphen. I want to talk about that hyphen, Tammy. Does Google recognize your hyphenated name? No. I recognize Hi, your hyphenated I recognize your hyphenated name. Yeah. Hi, everybody. You, you are the only person who recognizes the hyphen that you put in my name. Okay, Tammy. I want to tell you something. I just got a notification on my computer. This is big. It says, there's a notification from Apple, so you know it must be important. It says, day after New Year's Day, tomorrow. And I was really struggling with that, what tomorrow would be. And it's in the top right of my screen, and it says tomorrow, day after New Year's Day. And I, I'm so glad I got that notification, Tammy. That's such a helping thing. I'm, uh, Apple, you really are geniuses. Tomorrow is the day after New Year's Day, Tammy. Brought to you by Apple. Designed in California, made who knows where. <laughs> That's what you it says. You know exactly That's what, what it I says. think of Apple. That's what you it says. know exactly I can't what believe I'm reading this day after New Year's Day, tomorrow. <laughs> That's so awesome. I, like, I was struggling with that. I got it straightened up. We're ready to rock here. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Psalms chapter 24 and verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath found it founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. What's God saying here? Chapter 1, verse 1 of the great book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God sanctioned the terra firma, the habitable spot for humanity, the only self-sustaining, perpetually life-giving planet that we know of. It's a jewel of the universe. God owns this planet and he owns all souls. He's your loving Father. He created everything for His joy and His pleasure. Are you pleasing to God? Tammy, verse 3. <laughs> verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? This should say mountain, or, you know, it's going to be His holy mountain in Mount Zion, just south of Moriah there. Who? That's a question. Who shall stand in His holy place? That's where the Millennium Temple will be. Our eternal temple will follow that after a thousand years. The answer, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. That's your thoughts and your intents. What you do, your actions and your intentions. Your actions are what you do with your hands, biblically speaking, and what's in your heart. Furthermore, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Be very careful. Always remember Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. What it says when it says, how many people are up there? Like, what's going on? Who? And it says, lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of nations, kindreds, people, and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with psalms in their hands, or palms in their hands. The great Hosanna will happen and that's yet future you have to find your spot and earn your spot and claim your inheritance in the kingdom of heaven we're going to carry on here but don't let your soul unto vanity 
all the vain curiosities that come up in front of you and the ways and things of the world that really when it boils down to are selfish, self-indulgent, and attitudes of obscene entitlement. We're all part of the human family. So that's a big verse. Who shall go into the kingdom of heaven? Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. Don't kid yourself either. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. That's who. That's what you get. That's your reward right there. If there's a big letter in the, or big uh, little word in the Bible, it's the word if, I-F. And every time you see it, you could consider circling it. If means conditions. There's the conditions. And what do you get after that? Righteousness of the God of his salvation, which right now is our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. It's his righteous right arm. He's the mediator to Father. He is the ministry of salvation, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Kinsman Redeemer. Whomsoever will, multitudes that no man can number, all nations, kindreds, and people and tongues stood before the throne. That means if you're involved in labor exploitation, for example, through your investment portfolio, what do you think you're just going to be standing beside someone that, that you found expendable and surplus? Because as long as I get my money, right, rich man? Think about that. Be very careful where your heart is and what your hands do. It's not out of ignorance. You damn well know if you're involved in labor exploitation. Out of sight, out of mind, not out of sight or out of God's mind. Verse 6. Why don't you read verse 6, Tammy? This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face? Salah. Oh, my Bible's much different, but it's it's similar. This is a generation of them that seek him. Yeah, in the here and now. They that seek thy face. Oh, Jacob. What's Why the way they say, oh, Jacob? They're saying, listen up here. Oh, Jacob means... We're the ones that are supposed to be carrying the Word of God. He double-blessed us. Europe, United States, Canada, started in Israel, where the migration went, the migration of the 12 tribes. That's what he's saying. The natural seed line of Jacob here, you 12 tribes, I've called you Ephraim. I called you Manasseh. I named you guys. Double-blessed is Ephraim. Manasseh means forgetful. But I put a church in every city where you guys went. I sanctioned it. I gave you a Bible. It's the best-selling book in the world. 2,000 years running. The most printed book ever. You have one. That's my living word. As it's, as it's written. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word tabernacled with us. Housed us. He's taking care of us. But he expects something in return. Who God gives much, he expects much in return. We were given a, a, a responsibility to plant the seed of truth, to walk it and to talk it. That means you don't just pick up your Bible, study a little bit, and then go spend money and sit there shopping when it's involved in labor exploitation somewhere. You consider the whole human family and you consider this world. Go back to verse 1. This is God's place. He owns it. Not you, you egomaniac. Right, Tim? <laughs> right. So okay. I have to stop my shopping. I have to stop sitting here on my phone shopping. Well, you you know, govern yourselves accordingly. Govern govern yourselves accordingly, and remember, you will meet your maker, and you will die at the most inconvenient time. 
There's no doubt about it. And then instantly you're with the Father. The Bible says you're in one body or another. You're either in your spiritual body, celestial body, or your terra firma body, your terrestrial body, which we are in right now if you're listening to this. And as soon as you give up the ghost, or as soon as your flesh body dies, you're in your spiritual body. And what's on your account? And you will be held accountable. The Bible says what's on your account, you will be held accountable for your thoughts, your actions. Now, you can cleanse yourself. You can repent and mean it. Now, let's go here. Let's go to verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be, be lift up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. Selah means thought link. And let's go back to the Selah that was in verse 6. Thought yes. link. Okay. Michael, what? sorry, don't mean to interrupt. Well, you just but did. But with Selah, yeah. I know you're like, I know you're saying thought link. Yeah. But when I when I looked it up, I thought it really did mean like meditate on it. Med, well, thought link thought means meditate, but the meditation yeah. links what was just said with what's coming up. For example, Psalms okay, twenty four. So meditate it, on that. It's linked to the next verse. Yeah, there's like or, like we said that, and uh, anyway, I'll, when we come across it, I'll teach it more. But I'm just saying, yeah, it's time to. Meditate on what was said and how it's linked to the next the next psalm or the next bunch of verses. For example, in 6, it's who is, okay, the Salah is after 6, okay? And it says we have to think about we are given a responsibility, O Jacob. That's us. We are of the posterity of the 12 tribes of Israel and whomsoever will. He's our kinsman redeemer. We have a responsibility to plant the seeds of truth, to glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word, and walk it and talk it. And then the thought link going to verse 7 to 10, which I just read, is, what about these gates, everlasting doors? What do you mean lift them up? Well, going back to verse 5 of chapter 23, thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. God has prepared something for you. The Bible says the Millennium Temple will be a priestly kingdom. It says we become pillars in the Millennium Temple. This means overcomers become part of the operational, structural fabric in the Millennium Temple. It's a busy place. The door, we have things to do. Like if nobody, if everybody decides to go against it, then God will just say, well... Okay, one-third that fell later because we can't have all this evil come up into the universe. It's a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. There's no war up there. The war is only down here on planet Earth because of us. So what God's saying, God set it up. He set up an opportunity for us through His ministry of salvation to be part of that operational structural fabric in the Millennium Temple. That's each and every one of us. It is your free will choice here and now if... You choose to take part of it. So, the thought link for... That's a good question, Tammy. Salah, after verse 6. The thought link is, who's going to make it? And what are we going to do there? We are part of the operational structural fabric in the kingdom of the Millennium Temple, which is a thousand years before the great white throne judgment, which comes after. 
And we pray for everybody that's there. God wants us all. He loves us all. He made us for his joy, for his pleasure, for his glory. And we have to be pleasing to God. We can't go up there and start wars like we do on planet Earth here. Like all the evil in the world comes from the human heart. And it's perpetuated by the human heart through greed and gluttony, through money and the things money can buy worldwide. And if you meditate on that, you'll understand every penny ever minted can be traced back to some kind of oppression and and, and uh, evil somewhere. All right, let's go to 25. Do you know what I'm saying, uh, Tam? Yes, I, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, you went quite in-depth on that. Okay, Salah, but. after verse 10, connects the promised place of worship with the worship of the Lord. Okay, so that's what that Salah means. After verse 10, it's connecting 24 with 25. So we have the promised place of worship, which we are part of, like actually the structural fabric of it. And now Psalms 25 is the worship uh, with worship of the Lord. Okay, so okay. they're connected there. Selah, Tammy. All right. And okay. 25 is an acrostic psalm. Now it has every letter in the Hebrew alphabet except for one. And that's because we worship and we fall short. We fall short by one because we're waiting for the one. The one promise from Genesis 3.15. He's the seed of the woman. That seed of the woman exhausted in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Savior, our salvation. He is our rock. He is our only stability. The salvation ministry. The righteous right arm of our Father. Verse 1 of 25. Well, go ahead, Tammy. Let's see what your Bible says. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let my enemies, let not my enemies triumph over me. Okay, so how do you lift up your soul? Your soul is what you are. You're a human being. Your spirit is the intellect of your soul. You can only lift up your soul to the Lord by your spirit. That's your reactive attitude. That's your character. Your reactive attitude that motivates all actions. Going back to Selah. Going back to he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. That's who gets to be lifted up into the hill of God of the, or the hill of the Lord. And that word Lord there is Yahweh. And I said that yesterday in Psalms 23. How unfortunate it is that the King James Bible didn't just keep printing Yahweh. Instead they put the Lord. Because Yahweh is the sacred name of our Father. You should know who your Father is. So how do you lift up your soul if you want our Lord Jesus Christ? As it's written, he will confess your name to Father. But he will totally ignore you. It's up to your spirit, the intellect of your soul, who you are. Oh God, I trust in thee. You trust or you won't be trusted. And remember we did a podcast a long time ago, a couple of years ago, and someone we had a guest and they're saying, Well, I don't think I trust the Lord. Well then yeah, I remember. Well that that was geez, I felt horrible for that person that they think they know better. You know, there's, there's, they have so much egotism that they don't trust the Lord because they can't humble themselves. Well, and, you know, obviously he's blaming the Lord for stuff that's happened. Yeah. Like the Lord did something to him that now he can't trust in the Lord. Well, that's not the way that this world works. Well, he got into a car accident and the other person died. And it's like, God wasn't driving that pickup truck. You were. 
you cut yeah, in front no, of that motorcycle, and there's going to there's gonna be accidents in the flesh age. That's the way she goes. Like when it's a perfect world, Jesus Christ will let you know, and we won't be in these flesh bodies. God gives us free will. In church, too, they're talking about, oh, everything that happens is predestined. And well, what, God predestined a car accident? No, he didn't. No, he, he didn't. He gives free, free will. He gives you free will, and he will only accept your free will of, and God will not violate the principles of free will or it's pointless. He's not going to try force you to love him. That's fake. That's bully. That's thug. That's the United States way of going around trying to create a place of peace. They'll go around, oh, those people aren't acting like we think they should act. Lock and load, boys. We're going over, you know, in the name of peace, right? And just empty their guns and bombs and planes on everybody and then, and then come back and go, yeah, we sh yeah, yeah, through economic sanctions, foreign policy, yeah, we just grinded these people down through censorship, through in, in, or installing tyrants or despots or whatever you call totalitarian governmental systems. Like mankind has a 100% failure rate at governing themselves. Until you submit with unquestioned obedience to the Lord and you try to govern yourselves and you don't trust the Lord, you think you can trust yourself, then it's just frustration after frustration, disappointment, and there's always people suffering because of that. And that's what's going on on planet Earth today. 100% failure rate at governing yourselves. Let not my yeah, enemy... You, you can always trust in the Lord. You Humans are the ones who let you down. You can 100% well, trust in the Lord. People think that the government's going to come along and, and all of a sudden, oh, we're in such modern times, they say, I trust the government, I trust science. They have a 100% failure rate. Science... The, the, the track record of science is nothing short of crimes against humanity. Like they experiment on human beings and they don't really know what's going to happen. That's why, you know, that's why a PhD is called philosophy of doctorate because they, they think they know, they think they know. Science is just mankind's reasonings for God's creations. And let's just carry on here. Let not thy enemies triumph over me. That's not going to be happening. Uh, they might win these little battles, but they don't win the war. They think they won something, but really, when you look into the universe and on this tiny planet, what have they won? Like, they've turned this beautiful planet into a chemical toilet, and it's all about progress, profit, consumerism, materialism. It's all about egotism and obscene entitlement, and it, nobody cares, it seems. Very few people care. As long as they get their stuff and their material stuff and their, their money... Who cares what it's doing to the planet and other people that are out of sight, out of mind? And none of these people get any inner peace at all. And let me not be ashamed. No, we're not ashamed. We, like, I get made fun of quite, quite a bit for giving it up for God and you know, living with no hydro, no running water. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed at all. I'm not participating in the ways and things of the world. I am as less as I possibly can. Verse 3. Yea, none... Let none that wait on thee be ashamed. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. These promises are written in the councils of eternity, and they come to pass. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. The human race should be ashamed. Should be ashamed of themselves for what they have done to this planet and what the vain pur pursuits of progress, profit, and consumerism and attitudes of obscene entitlement have done to humanity. You should be ashamed. Verse 4, show me thy paths, or show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. How is your house supposed to be built? On greed and gluttony, and I want more. Remember when we had that masonry company, Tammy? And I just yeah. couldn't stand it. 
Like we did 200 houses. That masonry company that we had, we had all those employees for all that time. And the greed and just the gluttony and of, of the people that were having these houses built and the superficialness. It's just, and the pride like the excessive views they had of themselves and the, and, and the limited views they had for others. It was just unbelievable. These houses were huge. They overfed. They all had extra bedrooms and extra cars. And, and they were just so possessive over that little postage stamp of a spot that they had. Their lawn, their driveway. I'm just like, I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it anymore. It was, I pray for those people that they, they have the burden of those thought patterns of obscene entitlement. And they, they just don't care. It's all about them and money. Remember the forklift could be out there with all the workers and they'd be honking their horns. Get out of our way. We got to go. We're more important than, oh, it's just brutal. Just brutal. They just complained about everything. The last 200 houses that we did, people just complained and complained and complained. It was nothing's ever good enough. It's you always lose you want it. Just they got a discount on their mortgage just, and on the house. Yeah, to because, move into a construction zone. And then just complain. But then they were so ignorant Ignorant while living in that construction zone ignorant. to the people that were building their community. Yeah, we're building your community here. But that doesn't matter. These houses, just obscenely large houses. And and uh just never good enough. They're always wanting more, wanting, never good enough. And you know what? We pray for those people because those attitudes of wanting, God won't leave you wanting. And that's what it says in, in Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You don't sit there and want more and think you deserve more and compete with others. Like, I'm better than that person because I have the extra bedroom. Yeah, I got the bricks to the top of the house. I got, you know, I got stone on the front. You know, these people are living in their own hell. And we pray for them. Show me thy paths, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. And we sit here and we're trying to teach everybody. We pray for the whole human family daily. Okay, lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. He did. He sent his ministry of salvation. For God so loved the world. Go back to the first Psalms 24 verse 1. God so loved the world, this planet, and his children. He gave his only begotten son. One third of us fell. That's us. There's still two thirds out there living in their natural spiritual bodies. And they're just watching us. And just, come on, you guys. Like, we want to get on with the eternity here. We want us all, the whole human family. Us one third fell, the Bible says. We are all sinners. And we have to come to terms with what is what is inside of us so God can reconcile us through Jesus Christ. He came down here and he suffered. He suffered beyond our comprehension to defeat death and defeat evil because he would not compromise with evil. He would not negotiate with evil, would not make concessions with evil. He was not guilty, innocent. And that means when he laid down his life at the appointed time, he set up a kingdom of heaven that is valid it is legit it is bona fide it will not accommodate evil therefore the things that are inside of us cannot move on up the path up the ways that it says here in psalms 24 it will not move on if you think you can teach yourself jesus christ is your teacher your rabbi your master he's your wonderful counselor and he cannot let you cannot go up there and try and negotiate your way in. So, yeah, you know, Jesus Christ, some of the things, you know, just weren't fair. If he accommodated evil in the kingdom of heaven, it would be nothing more than a new hell. 
And that's not fair. What about the other two-thirds that didn't fall, that didn't follow Satan, that didn't allow self-pride and iniquity to be found in them? We have to come to terms with that. And it's very humbling and, in fact, very mortifying to think that we went against our Heavenly Father. And we are responsible. Each of us has to take responsible for our part in this earth age, this flesh age, which if you studied Psalms chapter 19 with us, he's wrapping up the affairs of time on this flesh age. The circuit is almost complete as it's written. Now let's just carry on here. On thee I wait all, on thee do I wait all the day. Yeah, he's on your mind constantly. Every reactive attitude you have, think about the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about his reactive attitude, his character. When it says you have to be born again, it means born from above. You let go of that old character and you allow his Holy Spirit, his character, his reactive attitude, his vision of what's right and what's wrong. Allow that into your hearts. The love of Christ into your heart. You get, you, my heart belongs to you, my Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can look at the whole human family with compassion, not with what's in it for me, how can I benefit off this, how can I get more. We're looking at others with disdain. Raka, Jesus Christ said, pointing fingers at others because they didn't act the way you think they should have acted. They didn't, they didn't do or think or say the way you think, and then right away you go against them. You have to have compassion on these people. You, you protect yourself, don't you think otherwise? But you have to, if they only had the love of Christ in heart, there would be no division, conflict, there would be no wars, there would be no, the worst two words in the English language, racism and refugee. Just make me sick. I can barely, imagine, uh, just, I, can't even, I can't even talk about those two things right now. I'm going to get choked up. So, seven, wait, eight, why don't you read a verse, Timmy? Six. Seven. Six. <clears throat> oh, hold on. Six. Yes. Six. Remember, O oh Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Our Father was, is, and always will be. Proverbs chapter 8, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. No, Proverbs chapter 8, in the beginning wisdom was there. Before the first Adam was formed on the highest part of the dust of the earth. When the whole universe was a pulverized dust, God is the creator of the universe. Psalms chapter 19 Revel, or, and uh, Genesis chapter 1. There's, God created the universe. We are reduced and restricted here in this flesh age as we go through this age to try and get rid of the things that are inside of us. So God is, was, and always will be. This little flesh age, this little flash in time, as far as the affairs of time are concerned, infinity back, infinity forward. What do we got, like 70, 80 years, if we're lucky? Like, that's hardly a flash in time, but it means it's so important now. So, remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness. They have been of old. We remember. We have to think about it. This is a statement. This compassions. Seven, remember not the sins of my youth, nor my, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. What, how does God forget a sin? Like this, you have to really, this is a good salah point, or this is a good meditation point. Upon repentance. Repentance means yes, you've had... Repentance that you truly mean. A change of heart. That yes. means... You are sorry. 
You ask for forgiveness. You recognize the problem. You confront it and correct it. You confront and correct your reactive attitude. Yeah, a lot of times it takes a long time for people to have that correction happen in them. Like they get upset and mad. They're conceiving it inside them. They say, no, it's other people. It's someone else. They should have been this. They should have done that. Well, our Lord Jesus Christ says, Woe unto them that give suck in those days. Woe unto them that are with child and give suck. You're conceiving along. You're, you're devising it inside. You're feeding it like a child. Like you're getting your jealousies and envies and disappointments and blames. And you can feel them inside just boiling up like curdled milk. And you get upset. And it's like God is telling you. You've, you have to take responsibility for yourself. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. You, nobody, like you're never going to have a world where everybody does and reacts and acts the way you want them to. So think about that. What verse was that, Tammy? Okay, upon repentance, when you have a change of heart, God forgives and he forgets the sin. He doesn't go, okay, when you repent, he doesn't go, yeah, you know what? Back in 2000, what the, whatever, you remember when you did that and then rub your face in it? The world would be halted and stopped. It'd be over. That's evil. Evil to rub someone's face in their past. You, God forgives the sin. You have a fresh start. He doesn't hold a grudge. He forgives and forgets and considers human frailty. That's something people don't seem to do. I get my face rubbed in the past all the time. Michael, why did you do back in 1990? You know what? You know what I did? I, f I followed some vain curiosities. I was outside of God's, uh, I left God. And I thought I knew better. That's what I did. And now you want to rub my face in it after I've repented from it? You can carry that. You can go around and look at others like, you don't forgive. God forgives. Why can't you? Consider human frailty and be like the prodigal son. Be like that whole story where all the angels shout for joy when somebody repents and means it. We're all going to fall short. We're all sinners. But the angels show for joy. Why don't you? No. Oh, he thinks he's changed there. Well, let's see. Let's just rub his face back in. 2000, whatever. You, Michael. 1995. You, you know what? Your legacy? You have like a 40-year legacy of disappointment. Oh, gee, thanks. Thanks for holding the grudge. Because Jesus Christ doesn't. So, that's my family now. The meek. Wait. God, good and upright is the Lord. Period. Therefore, he will teach sinners in the way. How does God teach sinners? Through chastisement. God knows how much affliction each of us needs to humble for the eternity. That's why he gives us free will. That's why the Bible says, thank God for the chastisement. And God only loves those that he chastises. God only chastises those that he loves, I should say. Because he lets you chase those vain curiosities when you think you know better. And then you find out, well, this is frustrating. Hey, the wheels are falling off this. Hey, I'm oppressing others. Hey, I'm feeling pretty uh, selfish here. I'm getting full of self-pride. And then it's all going to fall apart. Disappointment, frustration. It turns into anguish, pointing fingers at others, blaming all the vain emotions of anxieties, uncertainties. God is the God of certainty, not anxiety. That you trust the Lord or you won't be trusted. He teaches sinners in the way via chastisement. You chastise yourself. You do it to yourself. The meek will he guide in judgment 
and the meek will he teach his way. Well, that's a big key verse there. The meek, the patient, people that are good. Those who, the, not those who pursue the innumerable, innumerable vain curiosities mankind has devised. Meek means to afflict yourself with self-discipline. Learn to say no to yourself in the face of all the vain curiosities of sitting there on Facebook or any social media hour after hour. Don't you know God owns all time? He's watching what you do with your time. That's on your account. Are you giving power to the satanic regime? The prince of the air himself, the treasurer of the world. He's the schoolmaster of the worldwide education system right now. Schoolmaster of deception through the global media, through these ridiculous social media outlets that just get people glued to them hour after hour, days go past, months go past. Or sit there on those, watching those ridiculous movies over and over, allowing some Hollywood producer, a man of Belial, just worthless, lawless, to change your thought process, to change what you think is valuable and what you think is not valuable, to change what you think is beautiful and what you think is not beautiful. It happened to me, that's for sure. Mr. Superficial, up and coming in his early 20s. I, ch I, I chased after superficial things. Thought I deserved better. Thought I was better than others. Had crippling anxiety. And God says, you've had enough, boy? No, I think I'm going to go chase the world of drugs and world of alcohol. Yeah. God's right there as outstretched arms. You've had enough? You faced death? You, you stared death right in the face? You've had enough? That's his chastisement. I turn, my, I turn my back on the ways and things of the world. I, I turn my back on my brutal attitude and dumped it off like yesterday's garbage and allowed the love of Christ into my heart. And he opened up this book, the greatest book ever possibly written in the history of everything. The meek. Verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth for your own good. Unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. There's rules there. Do you see the rules here? The paths of the Lord are good. You know what? I went to a Bible meeting the other day. And this guy gets behind the microphone. I pray for all these people. He had no business being behind the microphone. All he could come up with was Jesus Christ is the way. He's the way. Jesus Christ is the way. He kept saying that, right? I'm like, and, and, you know, we got a whole book here. You got a lot of material, brother. You know, like don't overstep your spot in the many-membered body and start reading the Bible. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and true. His ways unto, here's your condition, those that keep his covenant and his testimonies. Those who follow the prophecies and the laws, the laws and the prophets, the moral standards God has set up. Not your moral standards or whatever this barnyard morals that the schoolmaster of the world is trying to teach us. Satan himself. Just morally repulsive and revolting. But our Lord Jesus Christ said, follow the prophecies. The prophecy in the end times will be like the days of Noah. When it was just morally repulsiveness dominating that part of the world. God had to flood it out. They were attacking the seed of the woman through their morals. Just morally corrupt, socially corrupt, spiritually corrupt, and ethically corrupt. His testimonies will teach you otherwise, and you follow them. 
11. Here's, here's your key central verse, okay? For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. That's the first time you see this in the book of Psalms. Asking for forgiveness. Please forgive me. It all, all wound up to this one central verse here. Please forgive me. That's why in this acrostic in the book of Psalms, there's only 21 letters. Because the one letter short, I admit I'm a sinner. I don't fulfill this Psalms. Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Let me tell you something. I got a, I got a question sent to me, and it was, what if we get to heaven and God's not perfect? Who do you think you are, man? When you pray and you repent, understand this, and we learned this in, the, in a few Psalms back, your iniquities are more than the hairs on your head. You humble yourself. Someone was arguing with the other day about humbling. Well, I've humbled myself as much as I can. Yeah, okay, dude. All right, you're on your own, okay? I'm not even going to comment on that. It's all about humbling yourself. Our Lord Jesus Christ did. He was innocent, not guilty. He had every sin imaginable, every temptation imaginable, hyper-focused on him. And he said, no, that's being meek. No, I, there's a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. This planet, what these people are doing to it, is nothing but turmoil, troubles. They're all following in their hearts, their own hearts. We have to follow the heart of the Lord, part of my iniquity. You have to admit that you're wrong first. God knows your thoughts and intents in real time. There's nothing hid that shall not be revealed. You can't fake it. There's no lip service again to heaven. There's no like... Well, you know what? I read the Bible, I, but you didn't walk it. Well, I was identified with that church over there. Well, you didn't talk it. Let's go to verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. You have to feareth or revereth. That's why there's a choice there. This word feareth is such a great word. It means fear or revere. And we always talk about this. If you, if when you were a little kid, you revered your dad. You looked up to him. But if you were bad, you feared him. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. If you're being bad, and you know it, you can fake it all you want. You can gloss yourself over whatever you want to do. The facade. If you're being bad, deep down inside, you know. You cannot violate the principles of God without consequence. So you either feareth or revereth. What man is he that reared? Okay, 13. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Well, that sounds good. That's a good promise. That's if you revere, and you follow his testimonies and his covenant. Follow the subject along here. 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that revere him, or fear him, and he will show them his covenant. That's who revere him. You know, people say, well, I read the Bible, and you know, they pick out verses. Someone sent me some verses from the book of Exodus the other day, and I was like, dude, you're just, you're just using the Bible as a random book of quotes. You're never going to understand it, because God is a great judge, and you are judging the very book that you will be judged on. And you're being judged on what God says is the truth. He knows better than you know. And the truth is a great separating force between what is right and what is wrong. What is good and what is evil, and who gets into heaven and who gets into hell. And he will not show you this covenant if 
He will impose the spirit of stupor on you. He will impose the spirit of slumber on you if you continue with your persistent unbelief. That means questioning God's word instead of asking questions about God's word. You're supposed to seek him out and inquire of him and humble yourself if you continue on with imaginative criticism, which is limitless. You couldn't even put a number on, on the things that goes through people's minds when they want to criticize God and, and chronic disobedience. There, you, He's not going to show you his covenant. He's going to allow you to run with that. Go ahead and run with it. You'll never understand this Bible, the, the, most, the top-selling book of all time. It's like the, the most printed book on planet Earth. And you can sit there and go, geez, there's a lot of these books around. and I don't get it. So I'm just going to open it up with my imaginative criticism and my chronic disobedience. And I'm going to uh, pick out this verse here and say, yeah, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, you, you, are, you have the spirit of stupor on you. And in Canadian, we call it el stupido. Right, Tam? No. Oh. <laughs> we don't call it el stupido. Okay. Well, it's unfortunate. And we pray for we you. We don't man. name call. I'm taking it out of the Bible, Tammy. Are you having a manager of criticism right now? It's in the Bible. The spirit of stupor. And the spirit of slumber. Those words are in the Bible. And you can find them in the I book know, of Thessalonians. Okay. Well, it could be in some other language. We don't know that, Tammy. You and your chronic disobedience <laughs> and your imaginative criticism and your persistent unbelief of the things I say. Okay, ready? What verse are we on? Go. In this? go ahead. Why don't you read and try talking into your phone, Tammy. It's on a remote location down in London, Ontario, Canada. Tammy, your tech guy is failing you. You seem to have drifted away from the microphone. What are you out to? Um, what's going on? Do you have to go to the kitchen and get some more bonbons? Can we get verse 15 down here, Tammy? My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. This is the net that we're talking about. It's also talked about as the yoke. It's also talked about the ambush, the flood of lies that will swallow you up. The net will take you in and ensnare you. Run that thread through the Bible. And always remember those threads through the Bible are the glossary of the Bible. They will bring to life the words that don't make any sense. As we go through the Bible, it will translate itself. It is your interpretation. The threads that run through the Bible interpret the Bible. Always translate within the Bible. Do you get it, Tammy? Because it keeps hitting the same syllable. Ready? <laughs> yes, I, I, I get it, Michael. The threads that run through the Bible make up the structural fabric of the key of David itself. The key of David is not something that you can go buy at the hardware store. The key of David is so you can interpret the Bible as it's written because the Bible interprets itself. And that's the greatest thing. When God allows you understanding, after you pray and you humble yourself, then God will show you the threads that run through the Bible that interpret each word right down to the etymology of the original Hebrew word. And when you interpret outside the Bible, you get all kinds of crazy imaginative things. It doesn't make any sense at all. The Bible, God is not the author of confusion. Man muddies up the waters. And someone like me, who has dedicated themselves to being your servant, I will serve you the Bible right from the etymology of the original Hebrew words for understanding. And take it or go place somewhere else. Right, Tam? Take it right, or, or leave it. Or go be like a tree. So are you telling me that 
um, home hardware sold me um, a fake key of David. You got ripped off, young lady. You got ripped off. Is it gold? Can I have it? Do it- you want to hang it on one of your chains? No, I'm waiting for my dollar sign for my rope chain. Anyways, let's finish this up, Tammy. I know you have other things on your mind there. Okay, what verse are we on? Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. You are desolate and afflicted without God. You can put on the big show, but deep down inside, you're just a little man. Unless you have the love of Christ in your heart. You are desolate and afflicted. And God knows how much affliction you need to humble for the eternity. 17. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distress. You enlarge them yourself. Let me tell you something. People come up with things, anxieties, worries, uncertainties. They can't be alone with their thoughts. Like at night or any part of the day, there has to be a radio playing. Or there has to be a TV. Or they have to have some interaction somewhere. Being alone with your thoughts, God expects you to do that and meditate on His Word. You have to drive it into you. Be somebody. Shut off the screen. Keep the pill bottle closed. Rummy, keep the cap on it. And try being alone with your thoughts. And see where your thought process goes. Are you distressed? Afflicted? Is your heart enlarged? Is it like beating out of your chest with anxiety and worries? You don't understand what's going on. Of course it is. You can lie to yourself, you can lie to me, I don't care, but you can't lie to the Lord. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Upon repentance. Yeah, we're all afflicted here. Listen, man, everybody's struggling here. Just because you pick up the Bible and say you're a Christian, nowhere in the Bible does it say it's going to be a cakewalk. You're going to be a victim from mockers and scoffers and people looking at you like, well, if God was with him, why doesn't he have a brand new car out there? Why is he like got to pop the hood on his Cadillac every time he tries to start it? Because, because nowhere in the Bible does it say it's going to be a cakewalk to the car dealership and then over to your mortgage broker. No, it says we know where our treasures are. They're in heaven. And we don't want to afflict others and cause anxieties and uncertainties for others and make others feel desolate because of our greed and gluttony. God holds you responsible, don't you think? Forgive all my sins. Upon repentance, it's a change of heart. It's not, you don't ask, you don't say, I repent because of consequence. It's like, yeah, I repent because uh, it's going to be more trouble than it's worth, but I still will do it if I know I can get away with it. That kind of repentance doesn't fly. And that's taught in the book of Matthew. I think it's chapter 19 or 17. I forget. Remember that time you asked me that question, Tammy? Well, these guys repented, but Jesus Christ said it doesn't count because that word repent wasn't the word repent from the heart. It was repent because of consequence. It's like, okay, let's just use civil laws for an example. I'm driving down the highway. I like to set my cruise control where I want, right? But the speed limit here is 100 kilometers an hour. I would set it at 140 in that Cadillac. I could just sit back and cruise. But I won't. I repent from that because of consequence. I'm going to get pulled over and get a ticket, right? So, but in my heart, if I knew I could get away with it, I'd set it at 160. But that's what God's talking about. Repent means you don't want to do it again. You don't want to feel like that again. You don't want to act like that again. It's over. I change my ways. I change my heart. I submit with unquestioned obedience to you, my Lord Jesus Christ. I surrender my entire being to you. You're the only one I truly trust. Okay, what's... uh? I just... 
just want to say, and you know what? We are human, and sometimes we're going to repent for things, and we are truly sorry for them, and we have a change of heart. Yet we are going to make that mistake again. But well, you didn't do it purposefully. Well, and you, you just repent for it again. And you keep trying until you get it right. Well, Don't I, I, okay. Up. Now, with that being said, that's not a green light to just not afflict yourself with self-discipline. Learn to say no to yourself. Hebrews chapter ten twenty six. For if we sin willfully... After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for your sins. Daunting, no, daunting verse. That's why I said, you know, like if you repent and then, you know, you make that mistake again, but you, you didn't intentionally make that mistake. Well, there's a fine line there and everybody govern themselves accordingly. And always remember Proverbs 28, 9, those that turn away their ear from hearing God's law, God's instructions, God's commandments. Even their prayers will be an abomination to him. So you can't just sit there and go, I'm going to start praying now. And, 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 just, and then just, you know, your intentions for the rest of the day or after, or, or for the rest of the day aren't in God's instructions. Like if you're willfully just going to do what you want to do, God's not going to answer your prayers. Why should he? Because he told us here. Ye that turn your ear away from the Lord, willingly, even your prayers will be an abomination to him. So those are two very daunting verses. So be very careful. And people know better. That's what your conscience is. That's what that knocking is. You know better. When it says in the book of Revelation, he's knocking at the door. Yeah, that's not you inside on a rainy day with your feet up, double fisting like a big bag of Cheritos with the, with the TV blaring. And Jesus Christ is outside with his long hair down, his white robe, knocking, hey guys, hey guys. No. This is the Holy Spirit knocking at your conscience. You know what's right and what's wrong. You know when you're being greedy, self-indulgent. You know. So don't you think otherwise, right, Tim? Verse 19. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Well, we're supposed to pray for our enemies, but we pray for protection from them too. We pray for their soul. We hate what they're doing. You know, if they're just being lawless and reckless and arrogant and aggressive, yeah, that's, those are uh, trademarks of evil. We pray, let go of that stuff, man. It has a negative value. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting the greater good, and you're hurting others. Like arrogant, aggressive people, or, or thieves, or liars, or let's just say thieves. Hey, thief guy, we're only nice to you so you don't steal our stuff. Nobody likes you. We love your soul. We don't like you. Like, buzz off. And same with thug, or you know, people going around thinking they're all tough and that. Buddy, that's arrogance. That's aggressiveness. That's the trademarks of evil, you insecure person. Nobody likes you. You're only getting respect. People get out of your way. Or if you got a patch on your back and, and you think, well, I can go in there and steal stuff and punch them. Yeah, nobody likes you. We just don't want to be bothered by you, so we're just nice to you. It's fake. Okay, buddy? Arrogant, aggressive guy? It's fake. We hate your spirit. We love your soul. We pray for your soul. Turn your life over to the Lord so we can get on with the eternity, man. Like, seriously. Right, Tam? Exactly. Verse 20. 
Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Trust or you won't be trusted. Don't be ashamed. God's got your back. He's got your soul. He sent the deliverer, the redeemer, the kinsman redeemer, the ministry of salvation, our savior, Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't have to do that. He could have just said, look at these. You know, he went, he, in, uh, on day four, in the book of Genesis, chapter one, he set the stars and the sun and the moon for signs, or he set the sun, or he said he set the one great light is a sun and the lesser great light. For signs, for seasons. What are signs? Things to come. Okay, you set things for things to come. Like a sign. When you're driving down the highway, you don't see your exit sign after the exit sign or the city you want to go to after the city. Signs. Just be aware of the signs. The two unique light givers. Deliver me. He's going to deliver you. He's wrapping up his circuit. He's wrapping up his affairs of time in the here and now. Don't be ashamed. Trust in the Lord or you won't be trusted. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. Those things are free. They can't be bought. It's like other things that are free. These people that are just worried about money. That's just an abomination to God. And it's, it's an embarrassment to mankind. You can't buy virtue. You can't buy integrity, morals, manners, respect, happiness, contentment, inner peace, honesty. You can't buy love. You can't buy salvation. You can't buy faith. You can't buy grace. Okay? Integrity and uprightness are free. For I wait on thee. Be in, show your integrity to the Lord and to the rest of the human family. Redeem Israel, O God, out of his troubles. Whomsoever will. Israel means whomsoever will. But the people of Israel, that's the twelve tri the ten tribes that migrated north through the Caucasus Mountains into Europe and Canada, United States. Oh, surprise, surprise, double blessed, overfed, arrogant. But there's a church in every town and there's a Bible in every household. Israel, whomsoever will. The kinsman redeemer. Out of all his troubles, God shall wipe away all tears. And with that, Tammy, we want to say thank you to everybody for listening. This is the Companion Chapel. Go to companionchapel.com. Please help support this ministry, support this podcast. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. How are you blessing others with the blessings God has given you? Please uh, enjoy this podcast, share it, promote it. Whatever you can do, get involved in the church administration. Tammy, do you have anything, uh, any words of... Tammy, to do you want your two minutes now, Tammy? That's what we should have. Tammy's two minutes at the end. Tammy's two minutes. Tammy. Um, you two know, minutes. basically mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. January first, mm -hmm. the first day January of first and twenty-two, the day after New Year's is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I thought this was Tammy's two minutes, uh, DJ Mouthy Mike. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Tammy. Just <laughs> tell everybody my stage name. Blow my cover. Stop it, then. <laughs> Jeez. I'm excited, you know, I just want to wish everybody a really great year, a blessed year. And, you know, make this the year that you turn to the Lord. Make this the year that you put God first. And and just keep trying. Yeah, turn some pen ink on a check and send it to the companion chapel. <laughs> Do not, <laughs> Michael, 
What? DJ Mousy Mike. I need some insulation. I'm freezing. I got no electricity. Like, what do you want from me? These things take like eight hours to make, you know? Like, I just called Tammy, and Tammy's like, I haven't made my coffee yet. I have to sit down. Call me back. (laughs) Come on, man. Wow. How did Tammy's two minutes turn into your, your sitting there cutting me up because I hadn't had my coffee yet? It was it was 11 o'clock, like 31 o'clock. I was having my apple cider vinegar tablet and water. Yeah, more like your apple cider from the night before. That's fine, Tammy. <laughs> you know, Tammy... With that, I don't know what's crazier. You are the things you talk about. That was Tammy's Two Minutes. I want to thank you very much. Have yourself a great day, and bye for now.